Hey, welcome to Book Bites with Maggie. I'm your host, Maggie, the Youth Services Assistant at the Napanee Public Library. Joining me on today's episode is Cherie, one of NPL's finest frontline staff. And you've joined us many times before and always had fabulous time talking about books. Thank you. In July and August, all eyes are going to be on the 2024 Olympics. For an athlete, a few moments in the spotlight, maybe all we ever glimpse of them. A short introduction, maybe some previous accolades, foresight into future goals and dreams, could be all that the world ever sees or hears from these elite. So on today's episode, we are going to be jumping back and forth talking about books that feature Olympic athletes. Maybe it's a memoir, a biography, something about the sport that they're playing, or a sport in general that maybe isn't even part of the Olympics. Sheree, do you want to kick us off on our first title? Uh, sure. I was just looking at um, a book called Women in Sports, 50 Fearless Athletes Who Played to Win. Um, really interesting um, because it goes back to, well, here I'm looking, it goes back to like 1917. Wow. Um, and what's so interesting about that is when you think about those times and women in sports, it, it was not acceptable. Uh, and these are women, many of them, let me just throw out a few names, like Wilma Rudolph and uh, Babe Diedrichson Zaharias. I know she was a golfer. Wilma Rudolph was a track star. These were women who didn't just compete. They excelled. Yeah. Um, it, Olympics and, and so on. And then brings us right up to present day with Lindsey Vaughn, the skier, and uh, Simone Biles, the gymnast, if anybody's watching. I like to call her the, the young lady who flies. She's... <laughs> She's so perfection in that. Um, and this book just kind of highlights who they were and some of their struggles. Not a lot. It doesn't go into that. But like that. over 100 years worth yes. of content. Of content, yeah. So is that a kid's book? Um, I mean, it's got lots of pictures in it's it. It's a teen book. A teen book. Yeah. Very fun. So just, I mean, it's not huge either. So no. as you're like kind of flipping through it, each maybe a couple pages is about a different athlete. Yes, it is. So. And just, just a little uh, kind of a synopsis of their... Yeah careers and who they were and where they came from and, and how they excelled, oh, uh, what sports they were in. So it was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was funny that your first book was about women because mine is too. So okay. Amy Alley Card, the, um, I'm going to say this wrong, The Tiger Bells, Olympic Legends from Tennessee State. Yeah. This is a brand new book that just came out in January that we've been processing. So I have not had an opportunity to read it yet, but I was so intrigued by this. So this story, it follows the 1960 Tennessee University State all-black female track team. Wow. Isn't that so cool? Yeah, it really is. So this is the year that the Olympics were in the Rome, in Rome, and it follows um, not just one athlete, but this whole team, and beating the odds against the backdrop as America is changing, you know, with uh, the Jim Crow era. This one does feature Wilma Rudolph, who you also mentioned in your little book there, and I I can't wait to read this one. I think yeah. I'm going to use it for one of my um, tasks for Expanding Horizons this year because it just looks absolutely interesting. So it goes back and forth between talking about how they were on a shoestring, uh, shoestring budget and had to work on a dirt track. Could you yeah. imagine training yeah. for the Olympics on like dirt? dirt? And then yeah. how that would change your running style before you actually competed. So they jump back and forth between Texas, Tennessee. They have training in Kansas, and all their media events are in New York City. So I've got to imagine in my head that some of these athletes, you know, going to college was already this huge endeavor. Huge. And then to be taken on, you know, multi-state 
media blitzes and trainings and things like this, it's probably just surreal mm-hmm. um, and an impossible dream come true. So this one, again, it only just came out in January of this year, and I'm sure that it is going to be a favorite. Are, are any of those women still living? Um, it says it is based on memoirs and interviews with surviving team members, so okay. maybe not all, but it does include experts from the coach and... So it says Wilma Rudolph, Barbara Jones, Jeez. Lucinda Williams, Martha Hudson, uh, Willie B. White um, became worldwide known worldwide. So mm-hmm. it is an all black women's track team. Absolute trendsenders in this. Oh, it just looks yeah. so good. Oh, definitely that. Yeah. So do you have another book you want to share? Um, <clears throat> well, how about the movie? Uh, there's a movie, uh, and I think there, there was a book written from the movie. It's called Chariots of Fire. Ah. Um, it came out in 1980. No, that's not right. Early 80s, though, I believe, if I'm remembering right. That's like um, 45 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, it won, uh, I believe it won uh, the Academy Award that year. That sounds right, yeah. And I know the music did. If you hear yeah. the music, you You'll recognize it. the theme. It's about these, uh, primarily it's about these two British track athletes. Uh, one is Jewish, the other is, uh, and his name is Harold Abrams, and the other is Eric Lydell. Uh, one's Jewish, Eric, uh, or Harold is, and the other is a devout Christian. And what was interesting about him is that, first of all, he, he got a lot of criticism from his family for... Um, competing. They thought it was um, a, uh, not in deference to God to oh. compete. And he felt that um, it was in the glory of God. That was his message. But interestingly, he would not compete on Sundays. And in the Olympics, some of the metered trials are on Sundays. Oh. And what happened with that, he ended up giving up. He was in the 200 meters, I believe it was. Uh, he ended up giving that up and trading with another athlete who ran the 400. Not something that he had trained to do, but he ran it and he won. A race that was twice as long. Yes, that was twice as long. I don't think I ever realized that. Um, this, and this all took place the 1924 uh, Paris Olympics. So at, at that time there was a, um, well, as there still is today, a great deal of anti-Semitism, but in Europe things were starting to, you know, um, deteriorate towards uh, Nazism and so on. Uh, so Harold Abrams had a very difficult time of it, not only here at home, but also there in Europe in, in training and yeah. so on. Eric Liddell went on and uh, went back to being a missionary in China. When the war broke out, he was captured and uh, lived several years in a Japanese prisoner of war camp and died there in the prisoner of oh, war camp. Wow. So it's, it's quite of an amazing story of these two athletes. The other fellow, uh, Abrams, became one of the um, kind of the, the in the hierarchy of British athletics. Um, so he was really honored and um, you know quite the statesman for British athletics. So they both excelled uh, under some pretty extreme. Did Did you say the movie came first or the book came first? The, I believe the movie did. Okay, and then and then they a, made a book based yeah, on it. Yeah, I didn't. Okay, so that was 1924 Paris. That's where the Olympics are this year is Paris, Paris right? Yeah. Is it always follow that? Like 100 years later, it's in the same city? 
Uh, Maybe that's a coincidence. Yeah, I think it might be. Because I think they have to, the cities have to bid on the Olympics. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Because the next one is in L.A. It is in L.A. Yeah. I and I doubt that they were in L.A. in 1928. No. They have been in L.A., but huh. I don't know when that was. Okay, do you know, know Apollo Ono? Yes. Like, you know the name? Yes, I recognize okay. the name. Yeah. So I was like, oh, we have a book about Apollo Ono. This is going to be perfect. It is nonfiction. I was jumping into it thinking this is going to be, like, the story of his skill and, you know, fine-tuning it and how fast he is. And it's not. It it's is not. 100% an inspirational, like, um, like a motivational oh. how to focus on your goals and mm -hmm. your dreams. So there's like little bits and pieces of um, his story, but it's only like ways to practice keeping your perspective and to have empathy and ways to alleviate stress and things like that. But this is called Hard Pivot, Embrace Change, Find Purpose, and Show Up Fully. So if you are looking for something that's maybe a motivational read this year, a self-help book, um, that Apollo Ono has one, and it's on our um, shelves. We have it as an audio CD as well. Um, and so, I mean, I'm assuming... Well, okay, wait, speed skating. Is that going to be in the Summer Olympics, or that's not until Winter Olympics, is it's it? It's a winter, yeah, I would yeah. think so. so. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, oh, speed it's skating, yeah. Speed skating inside. I mean, if it's inside, that could be yeah, any... Yeah, maybe it is. I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> Olympics, Olympics, sports, sports, whatever. Yeah. So it's a real short book. It's only a couple hours uh, to listen to or, I mean, it's less than 200 pages. So if you're doing Expand Your Horizons and you need a book under 200 pages, Apollo Ono's story could be the one that you're looking for. Okay. Um, what do I have here? There is a photograph uh, book by Annie Leibovitz. If any of you recognize Annie Leibovitz, she's one of our, uh, one of the U.S.'s premier photographers and, and uh, has won um, all kinds of awards for her uh, wonderful uh, photography, typically in black and white. Mm. Uh, I, I was able to see, I was in Phoenix one time, was able to see a, a gallery that was doing a showing of her works and it was just extraordinary stuff. And she's done one, um, on uh, Olympic portraits, and um, again, it's in black and white. And uh, now, portraits doesn't mean like action shots; they're like, like they sit down and they take a picture. I don't know if they sit down, but okay. they. She would. One of the things the book mentioned was that how she captures the inner tur turmoil of the subject when they're at a resting state wow so yeah and, and i could see that because she gets that on their faces and their body language yeah. and it all comes out in that photograph it's 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 worth looking at uh truly if you ever get a chance to see any lab uh, annie Leibowitz photographs have a so have there's a like a whole book then like if you can't there go is. to an actual gallery you could like look at look her at pictures book. in a book yeah. i looked at, i don't think we have it i looked it up and i'm well, we might or, have it on our shelves, might. but yeah. Yeah. we could always do interlibrary loan to, yeah. you know, borrow it. Yeah. I always feel like athletes, they are just like a target age group, you know, like say mid-teens to like 30s. And so it would be interesting to like look at pictures and see if the athletes have changed visually. 
I don't know. I, I love pictures. Mm -hmm. So that sounds really appealing to me. You mean from like me. past to how, what they look yeah. like Well, today. I mean like you are saying, you know, Simone Biles, this will be what, her third Olympics? Third Olympics? And she's younger than I am. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. She's still in her like, 20s, isn't she? Probably. Yeah. She yeah. Is, maybe. But I mean like you would think that when her portrait, if, if um, it was captured um, by this photographer, how much has changed in four years, mm -hmm. in eight years, yeah. in 12 years. Yes, she was a teenager, yeah. her first one. Yeah. Can you imagine having lived that much life <laughs> so quick? And then in the spotlight on top of it all. Yeah, especially and, yeah, someone like her. And yeah. then it's not just one moment in history that you are in the spotlight. It is like, if you fall, everybody sees you. Everybody sees you. If you fail, everybody sees you. Well, you know, she had, speaking of Biles, it wasn't a... Four years ago, she had she withdrew. Yeah, and you know, and and talked about the the pressure and uh, the stress that these athletes are under, and it was it just got to be more than she could deal with. Yeah, she had the good sense to withdraw. Oh, and for sure, do something about it. Yeah, you know? it could have gone very very differently if she tried and um, you know fell under pressure. Yeah. So not all Olympic athletes are built the same. Um, Josh Sunquist has a book, Don't Just Fall, How I Grew Up, Conquered Illness, and Made It Down the Mountain. Um, I have not heard of this athlete before, but it came up in one of my searches. It's um, quite old, 2009, but it follows, um, it's a memoir biography, and it follows an athlete from the Paralympics, which I thought was quite mm -hmm. interesting. Mm -hmm. So Josh was born normal but as a nine-year-old his entire life changed he was diagnosed with ewig's sarcoma and ultimately he ended up losing an entire leg to the disease and it is a pivotal story of him um not letting the lack of a leg keep him from a mountain where he just absolutely triumphs on skis and so this is the story of his family who is um, more or less underprivileged. Their father is a aspiring pastor and the mom is homeschooling him and his siblings. And, you know, they've got a very minimal budget. And then how being an athlete is not cheap. No. I think about the gear and maybe memberships and ski, travel, you know, training, yeah. travel, all these different things and how they were able to come alongside him and utilize all of his gifts and talents. Um, so this is written as a memoir biography, but it also features, you know, overcoming disabilities, and it's slated as being a really good inspirational book. So Josh Sunquist is an athlete that I now have on my radar as somebody to watch and mm -hmm. cheer on from afar. Um, I am not able to stand on skis on two feet, <laughs> so if he can do it on one, amazing, amazing things going for this young man. The Paralympics are, or any kind of Paralympics, sports yeah. um, people who just overcome the, uh, the just gargantuan challenges I wish that they were publicized the same way yeah. that the traditional Olympics are it would be so much fun to watch and like raise our children that mm -hmm. you do not have to be perfect in the world's eye to compete and to put your best self forward. Mm -hmm. I think that's an, an inspiring message for all of us. 
some, some years ago, and I, my recollection is that it was the mid-80s, I had the privilege uh, of being able to um, participate in the Special Olympics. They were at Notre Dame uh, that year. And um, it, it was so humbling to see people who sometimes struggle to get their shoes on in the morning out there competing and just, you know, having the greatest time mm -hmm. and at the same time working harder than you and I probably ever thought yeah. we could. Uh, it was a wonderful experience for me, just a real eye-opener for me. So were you like a helper? Or I like was, a, okay. yeah, I was a volunteer. Yeah. Oh, how fun. Yeah. yeah, it was, yeah. And it was, oh, the other part of that, I'm just remembering this, it was a that was in the summer and it was a just a blistering hot summer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we were, I remember just schlepping ice, mm -hmm. constantly schlepping ice, trying to keep them cool and so oh. nobody got sick. Nobody did get sick, as I recall. Yeah. But we were okay with that. But that was a wonderful experience. I think it's interesting when we were jumping back and forth between books that how many books that we brought to the table for this episode feature women. Mm -hmm. um, have you read We Are the Troopers? No. This one is one that I read in anticipation of, I think it was an episode that we recorded last year. It was the one like women in history. And I was only halfway through this book when we were recording, so I didn't feel like I could like share about it yet. So it's perfect for this episode. It's called We Are the Troopers, the Women of the Winningest Team in Pro Football History. Oh, I saw a little blurb on that. Yes. And I had to read it a couple times to make sure yes. it was good. And I was like, it. wait, pro football women, like this does not compute, right? But there was a time when there were teams that played pro football as women. And it was um, amid the national backdrop where they were trying to pass the Equal Rights Amendment and the National Football League was founded almost kind of like a gimmick as a way of being like, yeah, see, we'd say separate but equal, but really blah, blah, blah. But in Toledo, they had a team called the Troopers and they actually started winning. And as I was reading this book, it kind of... It gives the backstory about why a woman was like, you know, I could, I could play football. And, you know, maybe they're on the factory line or they're going through a divorce or um, they just needed an outlet for their energy. Maybe it's one girl raised in a group of brothers mm -hmm. and wasn't given, it, given an easy upbringing because yeah. they were pushed and um, stuff around. And so you get like these little excerpts of each of these players and what their driving force and motivation is for joining this team. Now, they are making a little bit of money, and so for some of them, the money of having um, maybe a job in 1970s is uh, what, what makes them want to join the team. Mm -hmm. um, but they even go through, as you're reading this story and telling you, like, yes, they're making money, but it is not enough to even cover like used sports equipment. And you know, they're using non-traditional helmets and you, can, you know now, you know, 50 years later, how awful that would be to use equipment that is not perfect for yeah. a sport. Yeah. And then to be trying to make history and doing so 
I just, it was unfathomable, but this book was fantastic. I actually, at that point, had gotten it from Interlibrary Loan, and um, the pictures inside were fantastic, and it it follows this whole team, and not just as they're coming together, but also as they start to fall apart as mm-hmm. a team. But we are the troopers, the women of the winningest, I can't say that, the winningest <laughs> team in pro football history by Stephen Gouin. So, a uh, fantastic story. It was written in 2022, so it's only a couple years old, but it's part of that history I knew nothing mm-hmm. about. I would have laughed when somebody said, pro football for women. Well, you know, we've heard about pro uh, baseball uh, women's teams in mm-hmm. the in during the war, World War II particularly, they played. And, of course, women's basketball is, is pretty much a, well, it is a national sport now. Yeah. But I, I mean, it's got to start heard, somewhere. Yeah, I never heard about football. Uh-uh. Maybe maybe within our lifetime or in the next generation's lifetime, it'll be a thing again. Maybe. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, the boys of winter. Um, and I'm, I'm, so familiar. I'm guessing that we've got a lot of listeners out there who's going to remember this one. The 1980 hockey team that went up against, kept winning, and they were not expected to win much. They kept winning, and they kept winning, and were finally in the final game for the gold against the Russian team, the USSR team that was... Like slated to get it all. Oh, slated to get it all. Yeah. Absolutely. And they beat them. And I remember watching that game. Everybody was, I don't yeah. even watch hockey, but everybody was watching that medal game because it was just so extraordinary that these, these young men just kept going and kept going and kept going and just overcoming all odds with this bigger, stronger, far more ex- experienced team yeah. uh, in the Russians. Says like the ultimate underdog story. Yeah, the ultimate underdog story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I remember that. I mean, they were touted uh, for a couple of decades afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Luzioni is one of the um, co-authors who was one of the team members. Um, he was on every TV show, and uh, uh, I think they even made didn't they make a movie out of it? I believe there's a movie. I mean, that. like when you, what did you call them? The, the Boys of Winter. The Boys of Winter. It just it sounds so familiar to me. So somewhere along the lines I know of of something about that. Yeah. And nothing's coming to mind at the moment. It was, it got just huge press all over the world because of, just because of the yeah. two teams. And, you know, we're, we're just 1980. We're just coming out of the Cold War. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of interest in what was happening there. It was it was a neat thing to watch. Was there a lot of political stuff oh, well, sure. with it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. So there's another book that we both read or are you you're in the process of reading The yeah. Boys in the Boat. Um that one is very similar, I feel like, to that hockey team because as the boys in the boat, it is the nine Americans mm-hmm. and their epic quest for gold at the 1936 Berlin Olympics. Mm-hmm. And this is about a group of young men in college who start a row team. And I don't know much about rowing at all. And this book did a great job of describing a sport that I couldn't picture in my head. So I didn't mm-hmm. feel like I was necessarily reading nonfiction. And it's been a good 10 years since I read this book, but um, going to the movies 
um, and seeing it on screen, it matched what I imagined in my head. And that's what a really good nonfiction author can do for mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. is to take something you're not familiar with and draw that mental picture. And so you get to experience the angst and the turmoil of what some of these athletes are trying to do. So in our story, um, some of our athletes, they're, they don't even have the means to pay their tuition. And so they're joining a row team in effort to secure lodging to help them with their tuition and then maybe make a little bit of money as well to put um, put aside. And they join this row team and their, their drive for success goes above themselves and they have to come together as a team. And it is absolutely a story of overcoming. So when you're talking about the hockey team and their their ultimate game against the USSR and how far they came together as a team and how they were underdogs. The exact same thing happened with the boys in the boat because they weren't even like the, the upperclassmen team. Yeah. You know, they were so new to the sport, but they got it. They figured it out. They, um, they timed faster. Is that how you say that? Timed less. They could row quicker. We'll do that. They could <laughs> yeah, row, they row quicker, quicker than the people with more experience. And it could have been just a crazy coincidence or whatever. But, you know, as you're following them and they're going through all these different timed trials and again and again and again, they are put up against odds where they should not have been able to excel, mm-hmm. but they do. Yeah. And the whole world's watching. Now in this one, the 1936 Berlin Olympics, it is like right in the middle of Hitler's, you know, coming to power. So how far are you in the book? Uh, I actually haven't started. Oh, you haven't? I thought that was your bookmark no, inside of there. It isn't. No. Um, so as you're reading this, it's almost like, you know, everybody loves Hitler as you're reading this. And mm-hmm. everybody's cheering for him when he gets to the stands and all kinds of things. And that is an interesting perspective considering what we know and how we feel about his his term in power now. Mm-hmm. Um, very interesting. That's I think you're going to really like it. Perspective of looking back on what took place through those years. Yeah. And for us, uh, um, yeah. yeah, pretty interesting how they were just kind of stepping into it, not knowing what they were. Right. I feel like I probably time. gave you a a clue as to how it's going to end, but the title does that too. Their epic quest for gold. Mm-hmm. They're going to be in the Olympics. You're going to know that just yeah. by the title. Yeah, sure. And you're, you know, jumping into the book. So it was a fantastic read. And it worked, again, I read it several years ago, but it would work if you were doing the Expanded Horizons task for a book to a movie mm-hmm. since it's, um, it was in theaters. I don't know if it still is. It, but it by the end of the year, it'll be on streaming, I'm sure, and Blu-ray and DVD yeah. and everything else. So you'll have access to the book as well as the movie. They did a great job with that one. Mm-hmm. You have another one you want to share? I do, and actually it goes along with that. Oh, it's perfect. the untold story of Jesse Owens. Ah, uh, he's in this. Well, the yeah, 1936 they're like, Olympics. Um, they're standing yeah. in the, like an atrium, and they were like, hey, you're the runner. And they're like, you know, both getting ready to represent the United States. And... He was uh, an African American, uh-huh. which of course the whole racial thing was yeah. was coming to the to the front there in, in Europe or in Nazi Germany. Uh, he was the son of a sharecropper, grew up very very poor, um, and 
you know, he went, he was able to compete and competed at the highest level, went to these Olympics, um, and they talked about in the, in the book, they talked about how, or he talks about how he walked into the arenas with a, the Nazi flags flying everywhere. They were surrounded with them. Yeah. There were stormtroopers all over uh, the Olympic Village. Uh, was very intimidating, and particularly for a black man to be yeah. in that environment. Um, but he ran his race, or however many races, and he won the gold medal, um, uh, you know, kind of falsifying the whole uh, Aryan supremacy theory that, that Hitler had. And then he went on to be, you know, really popular. He wasn't a terribly successful man mm -hmm. in the U.S., um, but he did... Um, uh, he, you know, he did, uh, he was successful, I shouldn't say he wasn't successful, he just didn't become a wealthy man. Yeah. And, and, but his uh, name, I mean, everybody knows who he is. Still knows who, yeah. Jesse Owens, yeah. yeah. Right. He died rather young, mid-60s, he, he was a heavy smoker, oddly enough, being a <laughs> runner, uh, and he died of lung cancer. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mary Sanders is... Well, she's very flexible. So, do you know Mary Sanders? She um, is a gymnast. Yeah. Um, but a different type of gymnast. So, as as I was reading this book a couple of weeks ago, this is called Nine Lives by 35, an Olympic gymnast inspiring story of reinvention. As you can tell by the title, she's only in her mid-30s now. But she is the daughter of an Olympian, and he became her coach at a young age. But her body type didn't quite fit the standards of what a gymnast traditionally looks like in today's, um, I don't know how you, say, how you would say that, in what, what society expects from a gymnast. Yeah. She was too tall, too gangly, um, and it took uh, her father passing away and um, her mom's drive and desire to see her use her skills despite not having a body style that worked in that type of um, gymnastic arena to find a coach that was like, why don't we try something different? And she became like a ribbon, I think that's how you would say it, like a ribbon gymnast. So she would do types of twirls and flips while juggling, while spinning ribbons, oh, while, yeah, yeah. you know, tossing, not quite juggling, but like tossing mm -hmm. things into the air. Mm -hmm. And she was extremely extremely flexible and so the story is nine lives by 35 because she kept having to reinvent herself as an athlete to push herself she would get bored with things or the sport itself would change mm -hmm. um, the things that she would compete for would change and so it's the story of her and her daughter or in her father's eyes but then the story of losing her father and the story of being the only daughter of a working mother with two older brothers and them jumping around house to house and constantly being evicted and not having enough money to keep up with training, um, crisscrossing back and forth over the Canadian and the U.S. Um, borders, mm. changing their citizenship to um, excel at different sports that wow. needed things. And it's not just her time at the Olympics, but it's also 
um, what she does when she quits performing for her country. And she joins, and I'm going to butcher this too, the Circus Olay. Cirque du Soleil. Is that how you say that? Yeah, okay. Cirque du Soleil. I'm like reading the book and going, I'm <laughs> just going to make this up. She's uh-huh. a circus performer, right? I put it into YouTube so I can see like video clips and holy crap, like the girl can bend over backwards. Like yeah. you would expect her to climb out of a suitcase. And yeah. some of the performances that she can do are just mind boggling. And you know, like hanging from ribbons by her toes and like hanging from her head that's supporting her whole weight and the injuries are quite gruesome some of the stuff that she describes and um the things that she had to do to keep her body in working order um she does not shy away from talking about um you know training and being around other athletes with Um, eating disorders but she talks about just being so busy and so tired that she would miss meal after meal Mm. after meal herself and she's like very clear in saying that's its own type of eating disorder just not taking care of yourself Um, it was very interesting to read you know from the perspective of somebody who is younger than I and has um, reinvented themselves over and over and over again. And not just as an athlete, but she becomes a director of the, say it again, Cirque du Soleil. There you go. Yeah. So she, you know, she um, writes up scripts. Oh, is that right? And she wow. toured with okay. them. And now she's a young mom. She's married. Um, she's kind of had to go through the trials of the, the trainer that took advantage of a lot of um, mm-hmm. athletes that, is still very much a current events thing where you know he's he's got quite the uh quite the prison sentence Mm -hmm. still to um pay in retribution for some of the heinous acts that he did and mary is right in the thick of it too she could tell something was wrong but wasn't taken seriously when she tried to bring attention to her own mis mishandling um and because she wasn't understood and heard and mm-hmm. believed the first time she shared with somebody she just kind of closed it up locked yeah, it away sure. and didn't didn't say anything to anybody else mm-hmm. but it is it's a very quick read but when you are going through it it's told in you know the first life the second life the third life and I mean I think that the alliteration of her being so flexible and I think about the nine lives of a cat mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah, like sure. she's gonna land on her feet and she does not always land on her feet, and she gets extremely, extremely hurt mm. in some of these things. And so it is, it's not going to be a story for the faint of heart, but it is an inspiring one all the same. So that's Mary Sanders, Nine Lives by 35, an Olympic gymnast inspiring story of reinvention. And it's just a quick read. It's just over 200 pages um, with pictures. And... Um, you'll be able to find it on our display shelf with all the rest of the books. But and it has like a whole section of full color um, pictures inside of it too that you can reference as you're reading to maybe understand different things that she um, is talking about in in book. You know, we touched on uh, the stress that these athletes <clears throat> are under. Yeah. Um, but you're bringing up also the abuse that so many of them, a lot of young women, some young men as well, but particularly the young women have suffered. And 
uh, over the years and what has come to light just in the last few years. Yeah. And you and you think back to the those earlier days uh, when they you know young women probably were abused. No one would have believed them. Right. Uh, or if that's if that's all that it is, it's worth it to be able to go to the top yeah. with that coach yeah. or that training I'll put system up with it because yeah. I've got a goal in mind kind of thing. That, that or my parents are paying too much for me to go to this gym yeah. or this facility or, yeah, yeah. is mind boggling. It really is. Yeah, okay. just real tragedy there. Do you have any other books? I don't. I don't either. Maybe we got through this pretty quick. We did. That's okay. Um, these are obviously not going to be the extent of sports books or books about Olympians that you could be reading. Um, we'll have the ones that we have in our collection that are not currently checked out on display all month long. Um, if you are looking for other titles, though, that would work for the Expand Your Horizons task of an Olympic or sports-themed read, be sure to touch base with any of our staff, and we'll help you find not just biographies, but something that suits you and maybe interests you. So thank you so much for listening to our episode of Maggie's Book Bites. Again, these books are going to be on display at the library all month long. This podcast is uh, catering to our local library community. So if you already have an Apne Public Library, stop in, give us a call, and we'll be happy to put these titles aside for you, and you can pick them up on location. To learn more about the services and the programs provided, visit us online at napanelibrary.org. We hope that you'll join us next time as we have another episode featuring books, get this, and movies about Tom Hanks. I'm so excited <laughs> yeah, for that one. Fun it's going to be so be fun. fun. He, he's got many lives himself. Yes, he does. Yeah. Yeah. If you have stumbled on Maggie's Book Vice from outside of our greater Napanee area, uh, don't be afraid to check your own libraries, your own bookstores, and you too can find something that is going to expand your reading in so many different ways. Uh, we hope that something we've mentioned today piques your interest. Thank you for being a wonderful co-host today. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, we always have so much fun yeah. uh, jumping back and forth. And I'm going to have to definitely look into some of the books that you mentioned as well. well. And yours too. Yeah, yeah. some real thought-provoking books that you mentioned. Very good. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time.